Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. All right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. This is the Annie Fry Show. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. We appreciate you being with us here this Wednesday afternoon. Really excited to connect earlier in the show with Sarah Gable Seifert about everylife.com. It is a pro-life diaper company. So if you are buying diapers, if a loved one is buying diapers, um, I signed up and ordered a box of them for myself. You can also go to everylife.com and order a box of diapers to be sent to a women's uh, shelter, a women's um, health care facility, and they'll provide those diapers for a mom who's looking to put a diaper on her baby's bottom. And I think that that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Yesterday, Donald Trump won- wins the Michigan primary. Joe Biden wins the Michigan primary. And I think it was in the mid-20s percent of people who are uncommitted. I think it's a, I, 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 first and foremost, those people are going to vote Democrat in November. Those people who voted uncommitted to Joe Biden are not people who are considering going to the middle on the whole. These are people who don't like Joe Biden's Middle East uh, policy, and they've been encouraged as a, a protest vote to vote uncommitted in that primary. I think it's a really big detail that should be, it shouldn't be discarded, 
that in Michigan, over one-fifth of the Democrat voters don't want to see Joe Biden get it because he's not he's not hard on Israel. I think that that is telling. Yeah, and numbers-wise, uh, on the Republican side, it was about normal. Uh, 33,000 right now is what the count was for people who voted for uncommitted. That's a little higher than what the usual is for Democrats, which is about twenty to 30,000. So this is about five times as many as usually vote uh, for uncommitted. So it's a protest right. vote, but essentially. There, yeah, there was a campaign for this, too. Yes. And it was one that was led by uh, Representative Tlaib from Michigan. The point is, is that the Biden administration is coming up to a point where they're going to have to choose their Michigan voters or their Jewish voters. Because they've got some support or they've got supporters within their party that will not come together on an agreement on that situation. And for both of them, it's deal breaker. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And that's why the Michigan Democrat primary was interesting, because obviously Joe Biden was going to win and he did. Mm -hmm. But there is a big, big, uh, contentious protest vote included within that. I'm going to push back on you a little bit. Okay, that's the only thing interesting about the Michigan vote. Yeah, I don't know that it's breaks the threshold of it being truly interesting. <laughs> like, I was watching last night, Fox News went back and was watching the shows. They were scrolling the numbers in the bottom. But I think Brett Baer got to stand next to the big board one segment, and they just plowed through and went on to other things. Yeah. I, I will I will say that the one thing I was watching was, A, this uncommitted vote, because there was there's a story there, and it certainly did turn into a story. But second is the number... So, most of the time, and a lot of times actually with these early primaries, you have uh, states where <clears throat> lately th- that one primary was happening on one side of the party and it wasn't on the other. Well, this one was both happening at the same time, so that's interesting, first of all, because you're going to have not as many crossover voters for Haley, especially when you have a protest vote like this, you wouldn't have as many crossover voters. Overall, now I don't know if you can take this to the bank, but I, th- I just found this to be like the number two story that people aren't talking about as much. Overall, there were more Republicans that turned out for this primary than Democrats. I find that to be somewhat interesting. It's not impactful because there's an actual race for the Republicans. There's an actual race, although with the uncommitted thing, then you had some <clears throat> people who were more committed to show up but people, to say something. People said the same thing when more Democrats showed up in Iowa in the 2020 primary when people were voting than Republicans. People use that as a way to dig on Trump. Trump was the incumbent president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's It doesn't, you are not going to pull people in to vote in a primary or a caucus situation when there's an incumbent the way you are when there's not. So I, I think it's apples and oranges. And I said that when Trump was in there, so I, I'll, I will reiterate my thoughts on it there when Biden is on. I think people are not motivated by Joe Biden, but I think that there are a lot of voters who support the not Trump vote. And every day that we march closer, what did I say, 251 days? Mm-hmm. Um, every day that we march closer to this election, something dramatic will change and then change it back and then change it further the other way and then change it further back. And we're just going to have to hold on tight. I know what you're thinking. I wonder what Frank Luntz has to say about this. <laughs> Well, I agree with Gloria about labor, but the point that she raised, that the rank and file may not be on board, Donald Trump has the chance of getting a majority of labor voters. That's never happened in the Republican Party. When you talk about African-Americans, young African-American men are looking at Donald Trump. They've never considered voting Republican before. Now, on the other hand, 
I want to see what happens with suburban women, particularly upper middle class, who don't like Donald Trump, are willing to vote for Joe Biden, and don't find Joe Biden's age to be a turnoff. So, Wolf, we've got all these cross currents happening. Michigan is the state because it could well could decide the election. And these voting groups are simply not behaving as they have been over the last 20 years. I don't think it's surprising to hear that Donald Trump is garnering more support among laborers. When I went to the Granite City steel mill when Donald Trump came here, I think it was in 2017, um, that was when it was Mike Boss's district. And Donald Trump came in and I was talking to there. They have they have these rallies set up where there's obviously the stage in the front. And in this particular rally, they had a a, a stand of bleachers, you know, on one side, a stand of bleachers on the other and then a stand of bleachers in the back, which is right square where Donald Trump can be like, oh, those people, the mainstream media. What does he call them? What was he called? The media losers. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be standing back there and I'm like, I'm not one of them. Um, but I was the, it, we were in the media fenced off from the attendees of the rally. And there were it was filled with people who worked at the steel mill. And I would talk to one after the after, after the other after the other, like, do you work at the steel mill? Yes, I do. How do you feel about Donald Trump coming to Granite City and highlighting this steel mill? Donald Trump's my guy. Donald Trump's my president. I love this guy. Would you come talk to me on the air about it? Absolutely not. And then they'd be like, they'd start to walk away. I go, I won't, I won't put anything out there that you say to me or whatever that, you know, and I'm not taking your picture or taking your video or anything. I always wanted them to come on because I wanted to see what they had to say. But they do not, at that time, want to be identified as a Trump supporter. But they loved Donald Trump. And there is nothing that has happened between now and 2017 that has made the Democrats more the party of the little guy. Mm-mm. They have become more and more the party of the elite. And instead of helping you get a leg up, they will give you what you're going to get what you get and you're not going to throw a fit. And their only campaign slogan is that they're not Trump. That has been the play. And that's got that's got to be running and wearing very thin on American consumers, taxpayers, voters who understand that the grocery bill is a challenge who understand that the freedoms that they exist, uh, that, that, they, that they have and that exist, that are given to them by God, those freedoms are under attack by the left every day, in every possible way. Just listen to, we're talking about crime and safety at the White House. Joe Biden takes the podium to talk about crime and safety. He's not talking about migrant crime. He's got his fingers stuck in his ears, his eyes closed, and he's saying, la, 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 while this is going on, not paying attention to it. Because it's, why? Bad for him. Migrant crime is an inconvenience for Joe Biden, the president of the United States. He won't mention it. He won't identify it. But he won't stop it. And the rest of us plebes will just have to live in Joe Biden's America until we decide better for ourselves. And if... Joe Biden got elected because he's not Trump. It's about time to put Donald Trump back in there because he's not Joe Biden or whomever else they're going to serve up on a platter, which might be Kamala Harris. When you are constantly seeing over and over and over again the Biden administration and the Democrats that puppet them. Over and over and over again, every time they come out with a new initiative, it's one more pinch of your freedoms and your rights that are taken away with you because they're going to provide you with what you need. They can't provide you with squat unless they take it from you first. 
And the solution that they provide you comes with a whole bunch of regulation that in the end is going to cost you more than it's going to help you, but they know better for you. That's what they want you to see. Truly what that is, is a separating of individuals, the haves and the have-nots, the power and the plebes. This is the situation that we face on a daily basis in Joe Biden's America. Donald Trump says he wants to restore it to the American people, give the, give the country back to American people, and make sure that the American people are prioritized first. He did do that in his first term. He's going to have to do some serious, serious weeding of the garden should he be put back in the Oval Office after the November election. Listening to Frank Luntz talk about labor voters and their swing towards the Republican Party, we're hearing the same thing about black voters. We're hearing the same thing about Latino voters. And all we ever talk about is suburban women. Listen, as a suburban woman myself when you listen to how these people talk about suburban women is the most offensive thing it's basically like they're a bunch of overly moody oversensitive women who are twiddling their thumbs with their feelings hurt and they want to take the revenge out and make sure orange man knows how bad he is that's pretty rude that's not the thing that i'm thinking about when i'm looking at who to send back into the oval office the thing that i'm thinking about is my children And eventually my children's children and the idea that the America that I want to hand off to them isn't a destroyed shell of what it once was. And I'm not so emotionally uh, driven and and cerebrally uh, vacated that I can't understand that if I've got a binary choice between a Joe Biden and a Donald Trump, one of those cares about the future of this country and the restoring it to the excellence that it should be in. And one of them wants to grow government Take away freedoms, empower the people who are put into this bloated government to babysit the rest of us because that gives them the consolidated perpetual power that they so crave and worship. There's going to be a lot of dissecting of polls. They're gonna, you're going to go to Michigan and you're going to see what you see in Michigan. But Donald Trump continues to win. Super Tuesday is next Tuesday. When does Nikki Haley get out? When does she say... I don't think I don't think Donald Trump can win, but clearly you all don't agree with me. I hope I'm wrong and I hope you're right. That's what she needs to do. You think Donald Trump's going to win? Mm-hmm. Eight out of ten. You think Donald Trump's going to win, Brad? Yeah, I'm about six out of six 10. out of ten. Donald Trump's going to win, and I'm a five point one out of ten. Ooh, <laughs> so <laughs> you're Andy's an optimist. moving up on the scale. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's if, that's very optimistic if you, for you. If you've listened to the show, you're like, okay. <laughs> if you listen, to the let's story, go. Yeah, this is this is might as well be her saying ten out of ten. Mm. It's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was inflation on on the scoring there. Let's take a quick break. Morning Fry show around the corner in just a minute. Go vote in the YouTube live chat poll as well. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Annie Fry Show. We've talked about how COVID hit and, you know, people work from home. People had to learn from home and teach from home. People that weren't teachers. And this whole comeback that we have had since Everything has been opened back up. There's an element of socialization that is not fully translated, I think, in the workplace the way it was before COVID. There were expectations of just how business would take place in the workplace that I think have definitely not come back and maybe won't ever come back. What, can, what, what kind of things can you think of right now that we don't do that we used to? I would say the work situation is the biggest one. Not for us. I don't think our job personally has changed. Uh, It did while we were in COVID, but I think it's back to normal. But there are a lot of people now who work either a hybrid schedule or they work entirely from home who did not before. And I think that's been the biggest change to American society. You didn't work from home. You know, you didn't. Nobody worked from home. If you, I mean, working from home was like a certain kind of job you did. It wasn't really an option and I don't think it was really something that people truly sought out before they had to do it and went I could I could live like this I didn't mind working from home in in the time that I was in my basement studio at my house which was a storage room that we had to retrofit into some sort of studio space which actually turned into a pretty cool studio space but I don't really use that um I, I do like I can do like show prep in there and I have my my computer and my stuff down there. But it's certainly a different experience. It, the room was like alive when I was broadcasting from there. And now it's it's kind of a different situation for just like show prep and research purposes. Yeah, it, it, it really has changed a lot of I mean, it's changed real estate, for instance. I mean, there there are a lot less people seeking out commercial real estate than there used to be. I think that's been the biggest permanent change. And the thing was, we had the technology to do it at that moment. It already existed. COVID stepped on the gas pedal to make it more possible. I think we're, we're finding a happy medium with that change in the United States right now, because all of it, all or nothing is not really the way either way. But having kind of a, a mixture of the two, I think a lot of people are a fan of that. The regularity of having people in the office, though, you create, you're on a team, you're working for a common goal. Even if you're working in different departments, you're still working to have the business, the company, whatever it might be, succeed. And you can kind of celebrate victories with one another when everybody is working from home or what is, I think, a lot more regular now, some sort of hybrid system. People are coming into work, but you might be in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and someone else is in on Mondays and Wednesdays and nobody comes in on Fridays. So you don't see your colleagues the way you used to. There is a business, um, a CEO 
of a $3.5 billion security company that is trying to get the workers to socialize. The company is Verkata and Yahoo. Let's see who's Yahoo's fortune story. Um, it's all a part of the company's 333 perk that lets employees expense up to $30 in food and drinks if they go out together in 3 p.m. at after 3 p.m. in groups of at least three. So if you go out in a group of three after 3 p.m., you get 30 bucks to spend on food and drinks. The the CEO Philip uh, Calazan said we wanted to make it easy for employees to hang out, which is interesting for me to listen to that because what I hear the Gen Zers saying, Gen Z, what I hear the Gen Zers saying is like work can't be life. Like you need to just go to work to work and then leave it be. We come from a time pre-COVID where you often developed relationships and friendships and all of that with your colleagues and and you would do a lot of socializing. And it was kind of expected that you're going to give of yourself to the company. You're going to work for this thing that is bigger than yourself. And it's not just about the paycheck. It's about the win. This current generation seems very much so to be of the mind that we're not going to do like work ends at this time and I'm going to go on and live my life. The work-life balance thing. It almost seems like it's it's so like the way I feel is like we're working to build something bigger that we're working on being part of something bigger. And it seems to me and I'm probably going to make a lot of Gen Z people mad when I say this, but it seems to me that Generation Z right now is about what can I get out of it? And if it doesn't offer me what I want, then I ain't interested in offering a whole bunch of my time to it. Yeah. If you talk to if you talk to. um or if it's to me more my experience is based on like what you see people discussing on social media or if you know people in your personal life and the first reaction of most people in society right now is but me what about mm-hmm. me and the difference i think between gen z and we are millennials and then gen x of course ahead of us we know what it was like when it was different So it's not a matter to say that if you're a millennial, you don't think about me first or Gen X, that you're not thinking about me first. They're absolutely those people. They have there have always been those people in those generations. But right now, the default is me. You ask you ask a a coworker a question and the entire response is about that person and not about the goal at hand, the the point of what you're trying to work towards as a team And I think that that is broken when you start building relationships because you care about the people you're running the race with and you're less likely to just all be feeling like you're in it fighting for yourself. So the more you bring those people in, the more the barriers can come down and say, no, I think we're actually your success actually will lend to my success and my success can actually lend to your success. So it's an interesting take to say, hey, after three, go out with your teammates. And have a drink. Yeah, and I I think that's actually a pretty good business move. I, I, that's why he's doing it is because he's saying, look, if these people like each other, they're probably going to pull for each other a little bit more. And it is, Annie, it is a generational thing. It absolutely is. Because can you imagine, and this wasn't our lifetime, but uh, people who are above us, older than, older than us, will probably remember. I mean, we know the quote. Can you imagine a president now saying, ask not what your country can do for you, Ask what you can do for your country. It would fall on deaf ears. There's, there is no sense in which we are asking people to do that anymore. And it used to be 
kind of baked in that if we're going to make this work and fill in the blank on whatever this is, America, your company, your relationships, whatever, if you're going to make this work, there's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be some service is probably the better word that you're going to have to put in for us to make all this work. And people understood that and people did it. Man, I see that this this sort of attitude like it pervades every aspect of society. It's not just work, but like people like they look at it in marriage. Well, why is marriage a good thing for me? Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, the good thing is a it's for society and then b they're like if it doesn't serve my purposes, I'm not doing it. Well, yeah, it's going to serve your purposes, but it's not just to serve your purposes. The other person in marriage, you serve their purposes and they serve yours. And you give of each other, and that's what marriage is. And then you make a family, and then you raise the next generation, and you teach them values, and you pass it on. There's so much people out there that are just like, no, but what if I build this whole life, and then I get married, and it doesn't work, and they take half of it? You know, that's their mindset. What about my stuff? What about my aspect in this? What about my angle? I I wonder, you know, Ryan, if this is even going to be an effective strategy, and the reason I wonder that is because, you know, we heard – Cardinals kind of talking about this in the clubhouse, you know, it's like it's hard to relate to this generation. There's a generational gap there. Maybe it doesn't work because some of the younger people or some of these people just don't want to hang out with people at work. That's work. And that goes over here. And my personal life and my fun life go over here. And I don't want them to touch or blend or anything like that. And so it doesn't matter how much money you offer me to do it with these people. I'm not going to do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that boundaries are incredibly important. And I think that you have to make those decisions very carefully on how, um, I mean, to, to me, if I blend work and my home life too much, then it's hard for me to make sure that I'm always prioritizing my family. And I have a very clear, a very clear priority in my mind about who gets my time first. And that's my family. That's my children. And if, Something is going to take away time from something else. It's always going to be work taking away time from my family. My family will never take away time from work. And the more that I get asked to do things and show up places or to speak, and uh, one of the things we're going to be doing in March, that's official, right? The March for Life? Yes. In St. Louis. I'm going to emcee that. I'm so excited to be doing that. Um, But I get asked to do these things, and the first thing I do is check my calendar and make sure that my calendar... That if I say I can't go to this thing with you, kiddo, that I have a good reason to say it. And when I explain it to my kids, I can't go to this because I'm going to go to this, you know, pro-life protest or whatever it might be or or march or whatever it is. That they can hear me say that and understand what it is I'm saying. I do think, too, that the, the current attitude that crosses all generations the the me the selfish or more not selfish as much as self-centered like the the idea that you should everything should be about self before it's about anyone else you really do miss like the dirty little secret here is that if i end up working with and rooting for ryan's success it ends up being my success mm-hmm. and it's bigger than you could create it for yourself and if if uh, Ryan and I are working with Brad and we're all trying to, you know, lift as much as we possibly can, we can lift more together than we can if we're apart. And if if the um, if the conversation becomes 
one where another person is included in that discussion and it's not about the team lift, then it's not going to be successful. One of the great things about this station is there's Mark Cox and Mark Reardon. I mean, we're here. Brian Kilmeade has been a very active part of what we have done here locally, too. But we all are helping each other with the lift. And there there can be a lot of drama that exists there, but there really isn't. And we because we understand the lift of 97.1 to be bigger than like my than Annie's radio success. This 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 could be over just like that for me. I mean, this I could get a call after I walk out of the studio and this is over for me and they will put somebody on in my place. Might not be. It could be somebody from somewhere else or whatever it might be. And it's over for me. And then I got to figure out what next. So if you want to run the race as, as successfully as you can or lift the greatest lift, you're going to need to do it with people because those people after the fact are the ones who are going to get you through the next thing. And I think we do that really well here at 97.1. And we are in good, strong voice and um, very proud to say that in the almost six years that this show has been on in middays, there's not a single time ever in my career that anybody has ever told me what I can say, what I can't say, what I can cover and what I can't cover. And that that won't change. And I hope that people understand that the the idea that what 97.1 was built to be and how it was built and, and who was here as it was built was the idea that the listener was there at the epicenter of everything. And we were there to help be the pulse and the heartbeat of what you care about and that has lived on to this very day. What was it, 2000? When they started? 2000. We're almost 25 years in to this radio station being the common sense conservative heartbeat of St. Louis. And the neat thing is, you asked this poll question the other day, how long have you been listening? I think that was Friday. How long have you listened to 97.1? Uh, I had to think back because I think it's over 15 years, although I don't know the exact date when I started. But for me, it was when I started listening. It was because, and still is, even though I'm here, it was a voice that needed to be heard. It was a, a, a viewpoint, a worldview, an opinion that I was not hearing in the media otherwise. And it's still the reason I tune in. Like when I'm not on, I'm listening a lot of times to Brian Kilmeade, Mark Cox, and Mark Reardon, uh, because I really enjoy hearing. And and ver- there's a variety of opinions on the station, but yeah, Mark and Mark and I could come and do a show together, and it would it could get heated. Yeah, mm-hmm. it absolutely could. And but that's kind of why it's um, important. I was going to say fun, but really, it's more that it's important to have those t- d- discussions. Because while we're all pulling kind of the same ship, like you were just saying, and I've, I've really never seen, I've been in music radio, I've been in talk radio. Talk radio is very different. News radio is very different because the shows are very siloed. We've got our producers, we've got our teams, and then we leave the studio and we'll talk to each other. But then the Mark Reardon show comes in and they have their team. Um, it's very possible in those environments to be very, very competitive and there's a lot of ego. That's not the way it feels here, which is wonderful because I think we all realize there's a greater cause. Yeah. And we realize that there are a lot of people that are represented by the things that we're talking about and the angles that we're taking, positions, that things that we're looking at that don't exist 
otherwise in the mainstream media, and that's why people tune in. And you can't uh, you can't do it if we're all in it for ourselves. No. It won't be successful. You'll be able to hear it on the air, and uh, that's that's not the way it rolls here. I I do support the idea of going out with your colleagues. I do also like that they have it be at three o'clock because uh-huh. to me that's still on company time. And there's a big difference between saying take two friends, clock clock out or whatever, head out at three o'clock, spend some time with one another. Because to me, it's just a little bit of an investment in saying this is bigger than yourself. And we'll help make that possible for you. And to me, they're not monitoring the $30 because I could get potato skins and skee-ball for $30. (laughs) Or I could get all potato skins. Doesn't really matter. Well, Hunter does make a great point, Ryan. Would you read Hunter's YouTube comment for us? Sure. Coming at this cold here. It says, (laughs) it was clear to us that all... Us all that you guys can say whatever you want when you spent like 10 minutes talking about these nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the music. He wants 10 more minutes. Uh, yeah, literally. Tomorrow. Russell says we do need an update. <laughs> no, we don't. Let that go. Let's take a quick break and get the results of the YouTube live chat poll. We come back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. So, Brad, you worked in fast food. Yes. Where'd you work? I worked at Dairy Queen and Taco Bell. Oh, Dairy Queen. Okay. What about you? You never did fast food, did you? Never did fast food. I never did fast food either. I was a banquet server, cocktail waitress, uh, busser. I was never just like a waitress. I never had that. That seemed like a really big responsibility. (laughs) I think I could have done it. But I just never went into a restaurant industry. I was always working. Well, no, I was a busser. That's not true. I actually think sometimes I worked harder as a busser than the waiters and waitresses worked sometimes. But um, being a busser is not fun. Really good character building when you're 16, though. Now, my wife was a waitress for a long time, and she loved it. She loved interacting with customers. She worked at a place be, called... I can totally see her being really good at that. Yeah, yeah, she worked at a place called Walker Brothers Pancakes in yeah. Chicago. So if you're from Chicago, you would know that place for sure. She was really good at it, though. She said, I made good money because everybody liked me, and I was able to handle, you know, spin a lot of plates at once. Do you tell her the same thing about your job? And I t- ah, that's what I said. I'll make a lot of tips, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we give you tips chats. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super chats. Super chats, On the yeah. YouTube. Um, here's a story. You said you worked at Dairy Queen now. When you go to get ice cream at McDonald's and it's after 8 o'clock and they have ice cream, are you like, I should buy a lottery ticket? Oh, yeah. I can't believe it. (laughs) I will sometimes drive through and just see, because I I live right by a McDonald's, I'll drive past the menu just to see if they have it blotted out. They, uh, I've gone to get ice cream maybe after a sports game or something and somebody in our situation maybe got trucked or something like that or played a hard game, maybe came out with a good win. There are lots of different reasons to get ice cream after a game. It's not, most of the time, it's not winning. <laughs> it's usually other things. And there's only a McDonald's in the town, so you're like, okay, let's go by. And, and I'm prepping the whole family. We'll stop. We'll see. But there's, when you drive up to the drive-thru and it's 9 o'clock at night, and you're like, do you guys have ice cream tonight? And they go, 
we do. <laughs> it's like, you're as surprised as I am. That happened to me the other day. It was because of the shamrock shake. I'm like, oh, the shamrock shake's here. Is that minty? Yeah, it is, and it's good. And I was I've like, never had I gotta one. go. I gotta go try at least to to get one. And I drove through, and they had it on them. It said out of uh, everything on the menu. So I said, as I was saying it, I saw, oh, you have it marked off. And they go, no, 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 we actually do. We actually have it. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And the menu says you don't. This is incredible. And they shared in my joy. <laughs> so, if you okay, I'm just gonna read the headline from the New York Post. Or no, I'm going to read the story. Employees at a Kentucky Dairy Queen were forced to eat ice cream that had been tainted with cleaning solution. It sent some of them to the emergency room. Forced? Why? A manager at a Campton, Kentucky location of the chain called all employees to a mandatory staff meeting Friday night. Nothing like a Friday night mandatory meeting at DQ. (laughs) Those were the worst. I would just be like, (laughs) I think I'm done here. Because you can go to the fast food restaurant across the street. And I guarantee you can get a job. Yeah. Um, Called them to this Friday night mandatory meeting where they forced the staffers to down the chemically contaminated soft serve, quote, whether or not they liked it. What the heck? According to the parent of one of the young staffers, I was livid, Angela Patton told WKYT of the moment her 17-year-old daughter came home and told her what happened. The mother said... They were told by the manager that whether or not they liked chocolate ice cream, they were going to eat it today. Some of the eight employees who were involved were taken to the hospital following the meeting. Um, She told the CBS affiliate some of the kids had complained that they had a burning sensation when they swallowed the ice cream. Her daughter has since quit the food service uh, job (laughs) and the Wolf County Sheriff's Office is investigating. We still have multiple people coming in to give statements, but as of now, it's still under investigation. Banks said he was unable to discuss the incident further since minors were involved. No charges have been filed as of Tuesday. Patton says she plans to meet with a lawyer in the meantime. It says the chemicals in many cleaning products can be deadly if consumed in large amounts. What is wrong with people? And also, it's one of those times where you know, that 17 year old kid, it's one of those times where you're raising your kids to get a job, to work hard, to do what they're told, to meet expectations. And then they get faced with this psycho manager who's like, eat the cleaning contaminated ice cream. And you're like, <laughs> I quit. Mom's going to be pissed, but I quit. They need to know to quit. Yeah, that's one of those situations. Although my first, so once you said there were multiple kids and then they'd been in the hospital, I'm like, okay. Because my first reaction when I hear a 16-year-old says that their boss forced them to eat chemicals, I'm like, yeah. That's, that's all the food. No, that's, <laughs> that sounds like the story of, oh, my my uh, my teacher said I was dumb and that I'll never amount to anything. You know, it's like that, that probably didn't happen. You interpreted it that way. But if there's multiple kids all saying, yeah, this was uh, ice cream contaminated with chemicals and we're in all in the, the hospital. In the hospital. <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. I don't, it doesn't say in the story why the ice cream was contaminated. I would assume that the manager thought that the children, or the students, the children, the workers contaminated it. Like maybe they were sloppy in how they cleaned it. And it was like, I'll teach you. You don't get to do that. I see. Yeah. You, you don't get to, you, it's like if you're at home and your kid is flinging the pizza slice around and you're like, put the pizza slice down on your plate when you're not eating it. And they continue to do it and they drop it on the floor and you're like, you're still going to eat that. Yeah, yeah. You don't get to do that if you're the boss, and you don't get to do it if there are cleaning chemicals involved ever. No, you don't send people to the hospital. No. And teach them a lesson. Uh, but at the same time, 
how does she think that this is going to material or the manager, male or female, I'm thinking it's a female. Um, how do you think that this is going to go? How do you do something like this and think that it's just going to be between, you know, us girls? I, I think I'm going to turn to our, our DQ expert here. Brad? Brad? <laughs> how do they think that they would get away with that? Or what do they think? They weren't thinking about what was going to happen. They were just mad that there was chemicals. And what my guess is, if I had to speculate, these kids did a sloppy job cleaning. There were some leftover chemicals. Somebody complained, and they're like, okay, enough is enough. The right response is, is to make those kids redo it. You're going to have to clean this machine all over again, and you're going to have to make extra sure that there's no chemicals in it because you can taste it in there, and people are going to get sick. You don't go, here, eat it all. FR says, I'm sorry, but if my child came home and told me that, you'd probably see me on the news. Yeah. If I, I, I'm just trying to put myself in the scenario where my child has been forced to consume chemicals because of your rage. <laughs> it's, I mean, fire, if my kid did it, fire them. Like, if my kid was screwing around and did something that, you know, maybe the point was... You were irresponsible in how you cleaned it for the 10th time, and we could have served this to somebody, and I want to show you what it would have done to them, and I'm going to do it to you. You don't do that. You just say, you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't You don't poison them. You fire them. <laughs> That's one of the things simple. that the manager above that person probably should have told them. And should have fired that manager. Yeah, don't, yes. don't, Here's my plan. I'm going to poison our workers. People. Yeah. The we need thing, those people. The interesting thing, too, though, this is says a manager at this Kentucky location. A manager could be 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Also true. So maybe there's too many, too much high expectations on just society <laughs> as a whole. Uh, the YouTube live chat poll for today. Who will win the 2024 election for president of the United States? Ryan? Donald Trump. Brad. Donald Trump. I say Donald Trump as well. I am a 5.1 on a scale of 1 to 10. One uh, percent of you souls out of 226 people said Kamala Harris. <laughs> it's not looking good for Kamala. One percent. Wow. One percent. Maybe Kamala Harris is listening Who to the show. Who are you? Tell us in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Seven uh, percent said someone else. Okay. Eighty-one percent said Donald Trump. Eleven percent said Joe Biden. So you feel pretty good about this. This is the most confidence we have had in Joe Biden as the victor in November. We are 251 days away. Next Tuesday is Super Tuesday. And then I think the Thursday after that is the State of the Union. And we're going to invite you guys to maybe to play Biden bingo with us for the State of the Union address. It'll be a little bit longer for him. Everybody always talks about, wow, he was so vibrant for 30 whole minutes. It's like he is in charge of the free world. Good thing he's got 30 solid minutes in him. We'll see you next week. The Mark Reardon Show with the latest in the news when we come back. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.